Evening folks, you're welcome along once more to another edition of the Irish F1 show. A very much jam-packed F1 show, I have to say, this evening. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Irish F1 show. Give us now subscribe on YouTube or a follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or even a five-star rating helps massively because we can tell you that with a great degree of confidence because once again today we're back on the top of the Apple Podcast charts in the sports news category which we're absolutely thrilled about so thanks to every one of you who have hit the five stars who have listened liked, subscribed shared all that jazz very much appreciated indeed we are of course looking back on Japan and uh, obviously we held off to bring the broadcast to you this evening on the back of some budget cap news, which we have and we will discuss. But before we do all that, we'll bring in our guests, Barry Rabbit and Richard Carney. Evening, gents. How are you? Well, Kev. Good well, lads, we, we used up a lot of energy over, over the weekend for various different reasons. Barry, you had an impromptu trip to uh, Brands Hatch, a nice day's racing by all accounts, and you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a day trip to Brands Hatch yesterday, courtesy of... Uh, uh, saleseye.com that's uh, sales over software sort of set up the, the William Mines involved with he got us a few tickets to it so yeah it was great we were over there spent um, spent the day with Paramax Racing um, full 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 access it was great to see from behind the scenes so to speak um, yeah good good, good fun day at, at Brands so, unfortunately their own car ended the whole weekend on its roof which wasn't ideal but uh, plenty of coverage for the sponsors I suppose Next stop the paddock, Richie. Next stop the paddock, bite. <laughs> <laughs> I get the BTCC tickets. I'll leave it to you boys to organize the uh, F1 VIP ones, yeah? Good man, yeah. Sure, right. look after yeah. job. That's sound you. Oh, a, so that's that's um, shared now. We'll give a shout out to PFT Travel and to Rapco. This lovely sign behind us. Finally made it down in time for our interview with Lee McKenzie. Thanks to, well, sure, I'll thank you as well. We're here about Keith and, and the boys and Rapco <laughs> for looking after that. PFT Travel is now PFT Travel on Facebook as well. MJ got a change over from uh, P Farrell Transport Limited with some degree of difficulty, but he got there in the end. So thanks once again to our sponsors. Um, lads, I don't really know where to start. I suppose the most recent news is probably the best place because... You know, it's only over the duration of today where we found out a little bit more about what's going to happen with these budget caps, etc., etc., etc. And from reading down through it, to give it, I suppose, before we give the official line on it, the thing is so loose that it's hard to know what's going to happen. But because it's so loose, you can see absolutely fuck all be none about it. And an appeal is going in for that reason, which is probably going to be upheld. Am I too cynical, Barry Rabbit, in saying that? I don't think so. I don't even think it's it's cynicism. I think it's almost unworkable from from what I'm reading behind the the scenes or you know on on, on all the channels and twitters and all the rest of it. Um, it's so complicated, and there's an, you know what? There's a bit of me kind of going. I thought I want to see cars racing each other. You know, I I wanted to be an accountant. I you know. I wouldn't be half as interested. <laughs> I might just be an accountant, you know. I just it's it's not interesting, lads. It's just not interesting. So I I, it's, I think it's sad that you know we had a race at Suzuka, probably the best track in the world, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions. It was wet. The championship was decided. There was you know great icing through the field, and Monday morning we're all talking about bloody budgets and accountancy and. You know protocols and no, I'm sorry. There's it's as just, much it's... about that today, Barry, as there is about Max being a two-time world champion. That's more, I'd say. That's the points are hitting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, yeah. Is... Which I know why it's. Ta- I know why we're talking about it. I understand the implications it has and everything. Um, it's just I don't know. Like, does it? 
Rich will tell you this. Never add up what you spend going motor racing. Like that, don't do that. Like that's a really bad idea. You know, <laughs> I remember one lad, he, he he kept it all on a spreadsheet, kept the whole cost of everything on a spreadsheet for when he went racing. Do you know how many seasons he did? One. Half. <laughs> <laughs> he gave up because he knew what it cost. The rest of us are in denial. Like, so I don't know why, like that that's a bad idea to keep 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 that idea cost of what it costs to go racing. It's not a good idea at all. Like, and I don't think that changed when it gets to F1, but to go back to your, I'm being a bit fatigued. Go back to your point. Yeah, it, it's it seems like why did they put off the 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 announcement for the three or four days? It was supposed to be last Wednesday. Then they pushed it back to Monday, and then the announcement was actually a non-announcement. They just said what everybody knew, which was you know that there was a procedural error with Aston Martin. There was something else with Williams, which we knew about, small thing, and um, that Red Bull had exceeded the budget. Which we all knew that. That, that's not news. Like there was no actual information in the press release. It didn't say that F or that Red Bull had exceeded it by X amount of million, and the penalty was going to be Y, and you know the the, the implications were going to be Z. It was just it was a it was a non-event. The, the press release um, in itself, which has just created more questions and carried the whole thing on further um, to the point that it's just like you said, it's now become the main topic. Um, of conversation around the whole the whole sport. Which well, do you know what? Before I bring in Richard Carney, let's go bore people to death with some of that statement and uh, Red Bull's subsequent statement, right? Ah, yeah, brace yourself, folks. You're going to be absolutely transgressed and transcended here with excitement, <laughs> just as I am at the prospects of having to read this fucking thing out. But anyway, the review of the reporting documentation submitted has been an intensive and thorough process, and all competitors gave their full support in providing the required information to assess their financial situation during this first year of the financial regulations, a statement reads. The FAA Cost Cap Administration notes that all competitors acted at all times in a spirit of good faith and cooperation throughout the process. The FAA would also note that with respect to the to this first year of the application of the financial regulations, the intervention of the FIA cost cap administration has been limited to reviewing the submissions made by the competitors and that no full formal investigations were launched. No need for sleeping tablets tonight. The FIA cost cap administration is currently determining the appropriate course of action to be taken under financial regulations with respect to Aston Martin Red Bull and further information will be communicated in compliance with the regulations. That yeah. is, I, I heard every word of that, but I don't think I know what you said. That's kind of like that. Uh, it, do you know that quote, the opportunity of a lifetime can only be, uh, what is it, seized when the lifetime of the opportunity. Now, that makes a bit of sense when you think about it, but <laughs> this takes as much thinking, but still to me, it reads like double dutch. But anyway, the statement from Oracle Red Bull Racing, we know the findings by the FAA of minor overspend breaches of the financial regulations with surprise and disappointment. Our 2021 submission was below the cost cap limit, so we need to carefully review the FAS findings as our belief remains that the relevant costs are under the 2021 cost cap amount. Despite the conjecture and positioning of others, there is, of course, a process under the regulations with the FAA which we will respectfully follow while we consider all the options available to us so there's is um minor and procedural and uh, aston martins i think is procedural again i'm lost on this one uh mike dermody is after uh commenting in even the white house things do lad um he has said for what is listed as a minor transgression that won't change anything richie your thoughts on all that absolutely incredible mind-boggling spiel that i've just had to read out 
Yeah, I'm trying to stay awake here. Um, <laughs> I totally agree with what Barry has said on this subject. I don't really feel we need to say a whole lot more about it. Um, like I said it last week on the podcast, and I, I'm just going to touch on another aspect of this that I can't understand. Barry, you're in business, I'm in business. Kevin, you know your, your stuff, right? Barry, if, you're, uh, if your business is being audited in the morning, like I suppose the point I'm trying to get at is, how did this get out in the public domain, more importantly? Like, it's like you had your auditor with you for the day, Barry, and he went down and had five or six points that evening and started telling the lads in the pub, Jesus, Rabbit is spending this, this, and this. And he's like, how did that get out in the public domain? That's what I'd love to know. Regardless, like, and I said it last week as well, Kev, like, minimum infringements. That the worst they'll get is a slap in the wrist and, and maybe a dig in the pocket. And that'll be the end of it. And not only did it destroy last week's race because of all the talk about it, we're actually sitting here talking on an F1 podcast about fucking budget caps and cost caps when we've just crowned the two-time world champion, which is mm-hmm. what, in my view, is what we should be talking about. I, all that's way above my pay grade anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And we'll leave it at that. But it ties in nicely with where we're going as well, because... A lot of the, the book is responsible for how Max was world champion yesterday and how it was interpreted and how it was read. And there's kind of like a, I don't know, a bit of a chain of events here, right? Because going back, was it last year in Spa, this rule was written. And I'm not going to read out this rule, but basically the interpretation of that rule has in many ways, I suppose, largely led to Max being crowned world champion. Surprisingly to everyone yesterday, I mean, it was the last thing I was expecting to hear. The interview is taking place. The next thing he's been told by none other than Johnny Herbert that he's just been crowned world champion. I mean, this whole thing is just bizarre. Like, um, where, where are you on this one, Barry? Because I, I need this explained to me a little bit and dumbed down, right? My reading of that, like everyone else, I would say, was that there was going to be, was it 19 points awarded to Max? Probably 14 for second and so on and so forth. So how, how and why and what is the story? Well, I read that particular rule somewhere earlier. And I've wrote a few sets of rules over the years and for the club stuff we do here, you know, in, in, in Ireland. And the problem with rules is sometimes you need to write paragraph after paragraph after paragraph to just keep, you know, closing holes, I suppose, in, in arguments. And I, and I can get very wordy and very long and very legalese type, you know, you know, even even from a, a layman writing them like myself. Um, now I had to read it a couple of times earlier. My understanding of what they said is is that ultimately, the rule that everyone was, as it turns out, incorrectly applying, such as you mentioned there about the the, the reduced points. The first line of it of the rule book says that if a race is stopped, now there is caveats after so many laps and everything else. But to simplify it, if a race is stopped and it doesn't restart small this percentage of points will be awarded so in your case 19 where they've left the gaping hole is that they haven't said anything about if the race is stopped and then restarted this basically doesn't apply so what they've said is you have to read what's not there just as much as what is there so as again just to cover it again if the race is stopped and doesn't restart these percentages apply okay yeah so what that is saying is obviously very straightforward. What it's not saying, and not making any reference to, is if the race is stopped and restarted, then none of that 
subsequent subparagraphs has taken out and thrown away. It's irrelevant. It, it may as well not be in the book because the race restarted. Now, I think, though, Barry, I think because I read the rule as well, and like that, I had to read it four or five times. And I think it was with Spa, the race was stopped and it never officially restarted. And I think from my take on it, now I could be wrong here, but from my from what I can take of it, once the race is restarted and finishes, the race has to finish by a checkered flag. Yeah. Then it's then it's full points. I, I think Barry, no, I'm not. No, no, you're right. Like, I, I could yeah, be wrong no, as right. well. No, you're right. It, and you're right, Richie. I should have said that once it's restarted and subsequently I was presuming to finish. But yeah, it does have to be finished. So um but the the, the, the silliness of that is that there's no there's no then uh, um, reduced points at any point at any th- stage yeah. in that procedure. So oh. if it's th- so you could so once you've got these you know caveats of a couple of laps taking place and being in the book. So let's say after three or four or five laps, the race has stopped. It restarts and it re- and and there's one lap for whatever reason. There's only one more lap and then it's and then it's checker flagged. So you might have five racing laps in total, full points. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can do 20, 26 the other way, the opposite end, you've argued, and only get maybe a percentage of points if yep. it's a 53 lap race or whatever, like we say. Yeah, yep. so the, the problem they have is, and this is what always happens when you start writing rules, is you, you start, the rules start eating themselves, yeah. basically, <laughs> because you've just so many of them, and you're so, you're trying to nail this down, and by nailing this down, you leave a gap over there, so you write another rule to close that gap, but that actually inadvertently opens another one back over here, and next thing, the book goes from two or three pages to a bloody, you know, phone directory, basically, or uh, word to rules. And then, obviously, you have difficulty in just memorizing them and knowing them and learning them, um, mm. which, in turn, if you want to bring it all the way back, probably somewhere along the line brings you back to things like Abu Dhabi 21, where no human being could possibly know verbatim a 400-page document and be expected to, you know, off the top of his head, pull the right one from it under a hugely stressful situation in 20 seconds. But if the rule book was five pages, tick, different story. Um, yeah. And you could, you could expect someone to know that, and you would expect someone to know that. Um, so I think they're just, I think they need to probably take, take a shredder to the rule book and start again and, and stop trying to close off every eventuality and just accept that, you know, there's going to be situations where it's going to be someone's opinion and yeah. you can't legislate for every, 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 uh, you know, variable and eventuality. Um, but they've, they've, they've left them. They, I think they've just made a balls of writing the rule in this case mm. in trying to clean up a rule to stop spa. They've created a, a bigger monster. Yeah. Um, Richard, before I bring you in on this, right. So I would think Barry, with your experience of, writing rules and all before minimize, um, minimize room for interpretation and cut out room for discretion and you'll probably have something that's a little more solid and you know it's not hard to do though very, very hard, hard to, do. to do very very hard to do yeah. very hard to do without going into paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs you can write a rule in one sentence but you have to write the rule based on what everyone else might think so, so you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's complicated. It, it really is complicated. And it's, it, you know, with, with, with ball games or tennis or whatever else, it, it is a much more defined 
arena, you know, that you're racing in or, or competing in, um, there can be more solid rules. You can stop the event, make a decision, whether that be just a referee taking a moment, you can stop the event. You can go to TMO or whatever up in the you know up in the stands. Yeah. You can you know I know there's VAR thing in football, which is a the little I do know of about it is it's a big I see it all the time. People giving out about it, and you know you have the Hawkeye in tennis and all this sort of stuff. But you can Sorry, stop like, the did event. they have an F one team one time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Villeneuve drove for them. They were shy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you 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 can <laughs> you can uh, I'm thinking there's another one in there with a similar name, but I got to put the anorak away for a minute. Um, <laughs> but you can stop the event. You can't stop yeah. twenty cars doing two hundred mile an hour around a racetrack to, to to have a look at the book. Make, are we all happy? Yeah, we're grand. Yeah, all right, lads, back in first gear and off you go again. So yeah, it, it, it's not the same. It's never going to be the same. And people. You know, the old F1 Twitter type thing, people calling out for, you know, absolute black and white rule making and rule interpretation and decision making. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Get over it. Live with it. Enjoy the sport for what it is and move on. But you'll always find it. Go, oh, well, remember eight and a half years ago in the 15th lap of the San Marino Grand Prix, he did it. It doesn't matter. It's probably five thousand things different in that situation to the one you're you're, you're comparing it to today. You know, it's just the nature of the sport. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's go back all the way to the weekend, and I suppose Friday. I was just actually thinking when when Alonso was quickest in was it FP one? I think it was. It brought me back to the comment that you had made in relation to a question I'd asked about Alonso: Would he be capable of winning if he was still in a good car? Which I asked Lee McKenzie last week, and she said absolutely. So there you go, boys. No better endorsement to get. Well done. <laughs> um, so, Saturday, Richard Carney. Where in the name of Jesus was Latifi going? Or where did he think he was going? Literally. Was he, was he, was he going in for a bag of chips, do you think? Or what was going on? Like, I don't know what was on. Man, what I the thought hell? Was, yeah. thought I said it's going weird with the car then. Something weird with the car. <laughs> yeah. <on. laughs> That must be a sign Tesco on the next exit or something. <laughs> and then, like, to pull in and say, Oh, the car feels weird. Those because you've just gone off the circuit, you madman. <laughs> it would feel weird, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> you just drove it the wrong fucking way. <laughs> like, that was geez. like, geez, we've seen a quite a lot of stupid stuff happen over the years. Like, to actually take the wrong part of the circuit, like, yes. But if he starts, if he starts laughing there, I'm not going to say. It's not funny, but it's definitely less funny. It's the comment that makes it funnier. Do you know what I mean? Talk about taking a hold. Trying to get out of it. Yeah. It's the, it's yeah. the car's fault. Yeah. Uh, shit, lads. I'm after taking the wrong turn. It's just the car feels weird. And the whole world looking at him after taking the wrong piece of track. Like, it's shit. Yeah. Uh, Mike's back in touch, Richie. He says he was looking for the order of Malta. <laughs> I know that's in relation to uh, Barry. Yeah. Um, I know you're not of the GA variety, but uh, Richie joined me on the Left Wing Back podcast for a commentary on our local clubs county final today. And uh, you know this whole term of a hospital pass in in you know in field sports where you know the pass is so shit it puts your teammate in danger of literally running the risk of uh, ending up in hospital. But the order of Malta, as you know, who do great work. Uh, we're brought into it this time. Uh, that had order of Malta written all over or something, as Richie said. So, yeah, that was, that was quite quite funny at the time. 
Good man, Mike. <laughs> You're bringing out the, the big ones here. But Hard anyway, enough. so that was... Look, I'll move on from quality because uh, there was so much happening in the race that I, I just... I know there was a lot happening in quality too, but let's just go on to the race, right? The drama of it. Uh, firstly, have to put the hand up, lads, right? Great intentions of getting over 6 o'clock. Did not fucking start till about 20 to 8. Missed three laps. Absolute gold. It was just like a blessing in disguise. It was like they knew... The people of Japan who this race cannot start till the lad is out of bed. Richie still wasn't out of bed, it's said. Richie wasn't out of bed until two o'clock yesterday. <laughs> I, don't think I, know, I, got up, I got up and I sat and I watched and watched and watched and I got I was so convinced that the race wasn't going to restart, I went back to bed. <laughs> yeah, you were like there is God. Uh but anyway, look looking at it from the outside in, science going off. Could have been a lot nastier than, than what it was. We had a massive weight. The weight in general, lads. We've touched upon this last week, Richie, I think, in relation to the rain and stuff like that. But, Barry, you weren't with us last week. So, I'll ask you, I mean, is it too obvious to say, right, there's, there's full west there, lads of race in more dangerous conditions? Or are we now at a stage where we just can't fucking go on unless there's some degree of safety? Or was it safe enough anyway? Like, where where is this whole thing? Is this nonsense or is there some balance in between here to be got? Just let, let me say something, Kev, right? When I said that last week, I... I, I... And I've said it a couple of times on this show that, like, lads, just have full wet tyres, get out in the second yeah. race. Like, these are the 20 best drivers in the world, seemingly, blah, blah, blah. But what I've never realised until this weekend, and I sort of have to take it back a little bit and hold my hands up here, is I never realised how shit the full wets were compared to an intermediate. And it just it struck me as, like, like there's something four seconds a lap slower than the intermediate. So I do take it back a bit, and I do understand now why, because not not why the drivers don't don't want to start on them. They'll start on them if they all start on them. Hmm. But if like Russell or someone jumps in and gets on the intermediates first, takes a chance, and it works out for them, he's automatically going four seconds a lap quicker than everyone else. So I just I let Barry take over here, but I just want to take that back a bit. I never realised yeah. how poor a tire they were until this weekend. Apology accepted, Richard. <laughs> well, I, I, I'd agree with you, Richie, and I probably came to the same conclusion. I would have held a similar opinion uh, prior to the weekend, too, about the wets. Um, although it always kind of in the back of my mind going, well, these lads know more than me. There must be something to it. But it was never blatantly obvious as, until this weekend. It's just how how inadequate the wet does seem to be, as Richie has said, because um, there's no way those conditions that we've seen in Japan at the start of the Grand Prix should be an intermediate tyre over a wet, you know, like, I'm not saying over the, the F1's wet tyre, I'm just saying if you just insert generic intermediate tyre here, insert generic wet tyre here, that was wet tyre conditions. So the fact that the intermediate is better than the wet shows how poor the wet really, really is um, in, in, in F1. And I actually seen something today from Verstappen basically saying something similar just saying the wet the wet is atrocious it's just it doesn't dispel enough water and it's i presume it's too hard or the compound is something wrong with it um but it's pretty much only useful for driving around behind a safety car and throwing water in the air um and and verstappen was saying that you know let's go testing let's all go testing and get some decent wets available um to us because the wet is so poor um you know, an an intermediate is supposed to work on a fundamentally dry track that has that da- that's damp but without puddles. You know, a, a wet works in 
the rain, hence the name. Um, so I think there's something there's something definitely there. Um, maybe they need to get rid of the intermediate and Which make the wet a little bit better. I was talking to a guy today. I was like talking to Mike that's commenting there. And I was saying, like, you know, something needs to be done here. Pirelli need to do something for... Even if they could do something for the rest of the season, but something could be done here because, I mean... As we're always saying, and we're always giving out about happening Spa last year, right? So let, let's just say the three of us decided, right, lads, we're going to go to Spa for the weekend, take in the Formula One, going to cost us two and a half, three grand again. We have everything said and done, and we're back home and sitting on our couches. And you go to Spa, and you get to watch 20 Formula One cars do three laps behind the safety car. Like, that's just not on. Like, it's not fucking good enough, basically. And the same the weekend in Japan. Japan. Like, you pay whatever it amount. Like Formula One is not cheap to go to, as as you know. Like, um, and and then to watch teams not want to put their cars or not start the race because the wet tires so shit. You see, this, this is something I never realised until last weekend. And uh, I can actually see now why teams don't want to start a race on these wets. And another mm. interesting stat that Mike gave to me there today was um, the full wet dispatches a hundred liters of water per second, right? So if you add up the four tires dispensing that water, there's the goods of a ton of water in the air. So you can understand how visibility is, is unbelievably it, poor. Yeah. And I'll be honest, Barry, I'd say you'll agree with me. Watching some of the onboards from the weekend, it was fucking, it, it was bad. Like It was scary you know, looking, lads. It was like, in fairness, um, just like, for the stop, the future proof this, I, I, I feel like, and, and I just put this out here, I think, I think it was Jack Villeneuve said this a good few years ago and he got laughed off the planet for it. But do you know something? He might be onto something here. Why not, like, put the, put the decision into the organiser's hands and say, all right, like Osprey Racing, the officials call it a wet race. But you have a couple of procedures. To, obviously, you turn your rain light on, you put your wet tyres on. So... Why not let the organiser say, right, guys, you all have to start in full wets. And we decide when you come off the full wets, not you. That's one idea I had. And then I was saying, like, like why not, let's say, about Jack Villeneuve, why don't you want to put mudguards on the cars on a wet day, right? Well, and like I said, at the time, he got laughed out. But on reflection, four nice little quick, quick fit winglets that, that dispenses the water back down to the circuit or out. I don't know. Something that stops, that gives drivers better visibility. Like, I, I don't know what your thoughts, Barry or Kevin, are, but like, I mean, Formula One is an expensive sport. For fans to go and watch it and not be able to watch Formula One cars race because of poor drainage at, at circuits and the cars themselves on a shit wet tyre. And, and there's an awful lot of stuff that could be done here to, to future proof this. Mm. Yeah, uh, a couple I, of things, Barry, before you come in, sorry, Mike's shoot. been in touch and he said it's 75 litres uh, a second Richard, 300 litres per car, two cars side by side is over half a tonne of water spraying, blind driving. Um, yeah, I bet you Mike is buried in the book reading about the, <laughs> the financial cap. He's, he, yeah. he's one of those solicitor types, he is. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Mike. Uh, you have the right to reply there, no problem. Barry, I'm going to bring you in on this, right? Uh, for me, um, you're a better place to answer anyway, but it doesn't seem like the, the worst idea in the world. And the other thing I want to add into this is 
have we waited too long in the season or has there been enough opportunities to actually put this wet tyre out there? Why have we waited so long? Like, look how far we are into it. I know conditions have been pretty good for most of the season, yeah? But how is it this far into the year for everyone to realise on how shit the bloody thing is? No, they, they knew. Know all along? The teams knew and have always known how crap it is. And that's now, what, as Richie is saying, how they're figuring out and why, they're fig- why we're now coming to, it's coming to our kind of conscious as to, that's why they have never you know we'd always be sitting there going why do they why don't they just put on the wets like but we were always presuming that the wet was decent was was decent you know yeah. um as i said there's always something back in my mind going there must be some reason for it but i can't figure it out why don't they put on the wets now we know the reason you know which is that they're just fundamentally not fit for purpose like in terms of producing a lap time so the wet has two two jobs one is the safe, you know, passage of the car around the track, let's say, right? And then the other is a lap time. A race team from Mondello to Monaco in F1 will ditch the safe bit and go for the fast bit every time, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if you're sitting there and you go, right, we can put these wets on the car and it'll be three seconds a lap slower, but they're fundamentally better at keeping the car on the track. But if we do that, someone else is going to put the intermediates on and make us look like idiots. So everybody puts the intermediates on. That's what happens. Until, like Richie says, it's taken out of their control. Um, Richie's idea is a good one, saying, you know, just like they can turn DRS on and off when they decide it's dry now. DRS is enabled. Now you can go to intermediates, lads. Or my idea is scrap the intermediates. Wets, you've got wets, you've got slicks. Like pretty much every other class on, on the planet. So very few classes have intermediates. It's a pretty much an F1 thing. Um, and you say to them, you've wet tires, we'll make them better. But even if they're not better, it doesn't really matter because they've all got the same tires. You've well, yeah, wet tires, you all have to use them, same tires. We've wet tires and you move from wets to slicks. It'll make it a bit interesting too because in a drying track, the wets will just get absolutely chewed up. So it'll bring a lot of strategy and stuff into it as well. And the big, big bonus of pushing them onto wets, whether it be my way by removing intermediates or Richie's way by telling them when they have to to run them, is that you won't get the aquaplaning that we've seen, or I won't say you won't get it, the the level of it, it'll it'll happen a lot less with wets. Basically, what happens is when you get aquaplaning, the tire is not going through the water, it's sitting on top of the water. And you're 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 effectively like a boat on top of the water. It might only be a half an inch of water, but it doesn't matter if it's a half. If you're not touching the tarmac, you're not touching the tarmac. Whether you're half an inch off it or you're twelve foot off it, you're not touching the tarmac. So the wet tire will cut through the water by its treads, just like your road car. And then the bit in between the treads, the bit in between the cuts is the tread, and that sits on the ground, and the water gets like a comb running through your hair, basically. Now, if you take an intermediate, you have much less channels for the water to go through, so the tire will sit up on top of it sooner than the equivalent wet. Um, so if they were all on wets, they probably would have been all four seconds slower, and there's a very high chance that science wouldn't have spun because he would much less chance of aquaplaning because he's got the tire cutting through the water. Four seconds doesn't matter if everyone's four seconds slower. But so long as the intermediate is faster in wet conditions, they're never, ever, ever going to use the wet. Um, and this, the, the 
Visibility is another thing. Um, I think it's somewhat less of an issue um, because it's only going to be for a few laps until the grid in any wet race that the, 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 the cars will spread out just because of the visibility issue um, because you can't drive right up behind someone in many cases or drivers won't drive right up behind someone because they can't see and that will naturally spread the field out and improve the visibility coupled with a good wet tire that's throwing water up into the air and dispersing it off um, it, it, it's still an issue but only for a few laps I'd say um, but fundamentally they need to get the cars onto wet tires that will solve a lot of the problem if not all of it yeah think then so. boys think their problems with visibility they should try going to be a richard carney and go about six or seven points deep you'll know what fucking poor visibility is then let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's not dissimilar to looking through a point I, like i've done it in the single seat or whatever you, you cannot see anything there's no you, you no. hear them talking about it going oh i can only see in front you can't like honest to god you're looking to your left and you're looking to your right you're listening to the car in front you're listening to maybe a car beside you, you're, you're picking. You, can't you know, when you're behind someone in the single seat and the rain light is on, and you know, you're coming down the main street or something, next thing that rain light starts to come at you very quickly. You know, oh, oh, yeah, it's, break. it's time to break. Yeah. It's time to break. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's literally like it's, it's like driving blind. It really, really is. Yeah. It's, I, I think that's something that's, that's lost on, you, you know, the cameras don't show it, very rarely show it. And I think it's one of the commentators often says the cameras tend to look down through it. Whereas you're looking long ways through it, like through a tunnel exactly. of it, you know. And, and it's, you know it's... what, Barry? Only for I saw Alonso's helmet cam there today. And it, was, was it his helmet cam or was it actually a camera just to his right? And you can see him going to that hairpin, right? And they're literally just depending on the ladder front to judge where the fucking corner is. That's how it looks. Yeah, like. yeah. It's muscle memory too. You see, what you'll yeah. also have is you'll be going right. I'm in fifth gear. I'm about this type, type, sort of RPM. That probably means it's about time to start braking. You know, and then you have landmarks, Barry, won't you? You have landmarks, landmarks. Your side. You have something that's out to your left, and you go peripheral, right? That, that's the right time to break, or some, you know, you, yeah. as Barry said, you, you, some drivers have different ways, of, you know, but you be a combination you of all of those things, yeah, your, your muscle memory, everything like even curbs, you know, you turn in, yeah. and you go, that's the curb, right? Let the lock off, okay, we're running, you know, and then you run to the exit, that's the exit curb, right? Jesus, you know, that combined with. Muscle memory combined with what well, little you can see, combined with peripheral vision, engine cues, noises, all that sort of stuff. That's what you're relying on. Your eyes become, you know, the normal look ahead, look left, look right is is, is gone. So, you know, it is pretty scary, and it sorts the man from the boys for sure. Um, but I think, I I think it's something that will, you know, will pass after a few laps anyway. In most cases, now it'll make it. It'll be a hairy few laps. Don't get me wrong, but it's um. It's not something that's not faced around the world. Like, it's not an F1 problem. You know, it's a, it's no, a racing. No. This happens in all racing of all levels. Every, every yeah, you go faster than F1. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The speeds are higher, of course, yeah, being yeah. F1. But the, the visibility issue in itself is not an F1 specific issue. Um, but I think they, to, to, to just get back to the main point, I think they need to figure out a way to, to force the drivers, the teams to use the wet tires. Um, yeah. in, in conditions like like the other day whatever whatever mechanism they use to do that is a separate argument but somehow as Richie says this is a wet race lads we will tell you when it's time when, when we will allow you to change on to intermediate tires and and they'll have some way of figuring that out no different than the DRS enabled thing that they do at the moment good man Jack Villeneuve 
Bring him back, boys. All is forgiven. Um, Mike has. I, I sent Mike the link to jump on because he makes a really good points. I don't know if he's seen it here on on, on WhatsApp yet, but uh, he said with all the new trackside upgrades, why not consider the asphalt self-drawn technology? It's not a dry road, but drains standing water. So that's another point made. Well, I'm going to move on yeah. anyway here, right? Because yeah. we've got so much more to get through, and I have to go onto the tractor next because that was another big standout. Like, we haven't talked about the great epic battles which we've had, and we will get on to that as well. This podcast is going to take a little bit longer than what it usually does, but uh, do you know what? It's for good reason. It's been really enjoyable as well uh, over the last few days, in fairness, right? But this tractor thing, this goes back to 2014 when we sadly lost Joseph Bianchi, right? Bianchi. And how on earth has something like this happened again? But I'm going to just double this in and say that... I think it's unfair that some of the line of question that Pierre Gasly had to put up with was kind of taking this as, as kind of an all the one thing. So he, he made his points about the tractor and how dangerous it is and so on and so forth. I don't have the exact quotes here, but obviously not too impressed about it. And one of the questions back was in relation to the speed, but it was kind of moving within the same topic of the tractor. For me, it's two separate things. Obviously, the tractor thing is just bang out of water. And yes, obviously, he's, he's obviously speeding during the, the red flag thing. I think, I think it was unfair that he got caught up in that a little bit. Um, what do you think? And also, what do you think of the penalty? So, I think, is it 20 seconds, Barry, we're right in saying that? And uh, a few points as well. I don't know the exact amount of Yeah, I think, that, I think that was it. Yeah, I think the, the, he ended up going from what was a 70 to 18. It was pretty inconsequential in terms of the actual result. But, yeah, it did feel a little bit like, you know, well, if you're going to give out to us, we're going to, you know, give right back out to you kind of thing. It's it it. it Technically, they might have been Sorry, right. I'm going but... to come across just to confirm it's nine on his super license for the 12 month period. He got two. Yeah, that's right, yeah. actually. Yeah. Go on, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, it did feel a little bit like, um, as I said, you know, if you're going to have a go at us, we're going to have a go at you kind of thing. You know, technically, the FIA were probably within their rights to give him that penalty. Yeah. But I think it just optically looked very, very bad for them. You know, it looked like, but it doesn't surprise me in the slightest because, as I said before, Myself and Richie and most other club racers have come up against officials that, you know, have questionable motives as to why they're there in a lot of cases. And as I always said, is it any surprise that the lads at the top of that particular greasy pole in the FIA and F1 are, you know, they're 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 the way they are because they've 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 climbed that pole through club racing, national racing, European racing, and generally speaking, they're never wrong in their own minds anyway. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me when I see this sort of stuff coming out of FIA and, and, and F1. Um, it, it, they'll, they'll always find a way to, to, to make sure that they're, they're right. Um, but to the point at hand, um, he didn't exceed any of his deltas for the safety car uh, speed. So I'm not sure if everyone's aware. When, when a safety car comes out, the track is broke up into sectors. And there's a time on the driver's dash that's that's a plus and a minus of a zero. So zero is ideal and plus or minus of that. And basically what it says is when you come to X point on the track, and it'll literally be a line in the ground with a laser type thing or a little little um little wire in the ground basically that your that your beacon picks up. You must arrive at that point no sooner than a pre-described time. And if you're ahead of that time, it'll say you're minus two on the screen. So you're two seconds ahead of the time you're going to arrive at that point, and that'll be wrong. So they slow down till it goes minus two, minus one, zero, and then they 
hold it at zero. That's their job, to hold it at zero. And they can speed up and slow down to do that. So when a safety car comes out, the drivers all get this plus or minus delta on their on their screen. And Gasly followed that and was the right side of it at each marker that he came to, including the one where he passed the, the tractor. Um, what he got the penalty for was in between those markers, he exceeded a miles per hour um, speed that I didn't even know was aware or was aware that, that existed, but he, he like it's literally like a speed and fine going down the motorway. He still arrived at the next point at the right time, but you know, it's like saying, well, I left Dublin and I drove the car up. You did 150 mile an hour for 10 minutes in the middle of it, but you arrived at an average at the right time. You still did 150 mile an hour for 10 minutes. That's wrong. So, um, that's what he got the penalty for. He didn't get the penalty for excessively going fast at the mm. point of the, of the safety car. And I think a red flag had kicked in in the meantime, which triggered the ability to break that speed limit thing. Once a red flag, just some speed limit kicks in. And, he, and, and that's what they got him on. So it's just felt a little bit contrived to, to do him on it. Um, but I'd agree with you, it's two separate things. Um, and the, it's not unusual for a, a, a tractor or a crane or a piece of machinery to be on track during a safety car. We've seen that at Monza this year. Um, between the two Lesmos, one of the cars stopped, and you'll see a tractor or a teleport of some sort picking it up, and the car is filing by it. So that's not the first time we've seen that this year. There was mitigating circumstances at the weekend whereby it was really, really wet, really bad visibility, and Gasly was pushing to make his way back onto the train. So I think it's a little bit unfair to completely hammer the FIA on it because it's not the first time they've done this and it has genuinely been procedure to put mm. vehicles on track under safety car. Is that a good idea? Probably not. And maybe now we should look at that and say nothing goes on track until the whole group is, 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 is caught back up again. But that'll trigger other problems because if they do that, they're going to say, well, then they're going to have to close the pit lane because if all the ca cars gather up and are behind the safety car, and then they say, right, put the tractor on, on, on the track now. And five seconds after they do that, whoever's at the back decides he's going to stop and put on a new, a new set of tires. Well, now the cars aren't grouped up again. So you have to ring the tractor and go, no, get off it again. Because, you know, Al Albon has decided to pit. So now they're not all grouped together again. Right, okay, put them back on. Oh, no, hang on a second. Schumacher's decided to pit. because he's So that's not going to work. So the only alternative there is to close the pit lane. So all mm -hmm. the, it's like what we spoke about earlier. You write a rule, and then you go, oh, shit, now I need to do this, and now I need to do it. So they could write a rule that says, yeah, no tractor goes on the circuit until all the cars are behind the safety car. But that'll probably trigger them having to write another rule to close the pit lane. And then if they go that route, you know, and all of a sudden, away we go again. And, and, and then in four months' time, something will happen, and they'll go, oh, that's because of that loophole, because of the safety car, tractor, red flag, pit lane closed rule that now there's another eight pages in the book of of rules so it's very very difficult to to nail it down um but at the same time should an f1 car be driving by a tractor at 100 mile an hour in that sort of conditions no ultimately it shouldn't because unfortunately you know bianchi's accident is testament to what happens when that goes wrong hmm. uh it's a good job that marshall had a bit of agility as well with the science incident because that was that could have been nasty enough too and that's not been talked about that much in comparison to the tractor thing um mm. it's obviously been talked about and you can see it on social media but yeah it was another thing we're talking about uh just on the topic of gasly um 
and the Vries as well. I think last week, Richie, we were talking about, is this going to happen? Is it just pub talk? Is it bullshit? And lo and behold, the Vries is going to Alpha Tauri and Gasly has gone to Alpine. So Max had kind of said... Sorry, lads, I have a question. And hopefully you can answer this. Some lad with like 20 million followers or something announced the Gasly move. He's some football guy. Is that, Am I right? I, I've got totally confused about this. Did any of you see this? No? Nope. Right, okay. No, it's that not was me last, on last week's show. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's <laughs> watching and they know what, there was some lad put it on Twitter and he said, I'm I'm, I'm going to do F1 now for a bit. Uh, Gasly's going to Alpine. It's all been agreed. Personal contract, a personal terms agreed. Da, 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 da. You've seen it here first or something like that. And everyone went mental. And I was like, What's going on here? Some just some randomer has you know has an idea like more than the rest of us. And then I clicked on it and he's twenty something million. Like so, I think he's some football. I don't know. I completely confused. Someone please. Harry, as you well know, us here at DRSF One Show only go for official accredited. apparently, (laughs) apparently, this was all set up by Alpine. To 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 pre-announce it because he has got such a following. It wasn't completely. I don't know. I got very confused since this is why you need Mbappe to keep. Mbappe or fucking Griezmann or that's something a, like that. Some French footballer, anyway. That's good mail to them. Sign of the times. Oh my head. Sign of the times. Uh, anyway, someone who's watching, just please let us know who this random bloke is because it seems to have bypassed all of us. But he knew before anyone else did. Well, do you know what? I'll give you the opportunity to uh, discuss and I'll go do a bit of uh, research here, right? While we're live on air. Ever the fucking pro, huh? Um, <laughs> the Vries. Max said that after his drive, it was at Monza, I think, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You weren't saying that? That yep. he suggested he go yep. have a chat and see what would delay the land be. But obviously, he's involved with Mercedes and stuff and the you know the reading of it last week was it was a big blow, massive blow for Mercedes and Red Bull get one up on Mercedes and stuff like that. It does seem a little bit bizarre, and I'm sure there's a wry smile there somewhere from um Red Bull Alpha Tauri uh, point of view. Richie, would you say? Uh yeah, I'd say I would make Red Bull feel like they've gotten one up on Mercedes. I'm actually I'm surprised. I'm surprised um Toto let it happen to be honest with you. Um I, I honestly uh, yeah, no, I just it is Red Bull. Red Bull definitely got one up on Mercedes here with this with, with Nick DeVries, anyway. Yeah, hold seems... on now. Is this am I getting this right or wrong? Because I've just gone and done some homework, right? It's not the bloody football agent Fabrizio Romano that's gone and announced this, is it? I've, I've already, I immediately forgot his name, so I don't know. But is he no, like you know a what? I think, I think it is different kind of here we go today. For some minutes, that's I'll it. That's it. One. I understand Pierre Gasly will join, uh, blah blah blah, whatever. That's incredible. So this guy's a football. He, he breaks all the big football transfer news. If Fabrizio says it, it's basically fucking happening. So he's he's now delved into four so one. Oh you yeah, do know yeah, who sure. he's, he's well known. He's yeah, he breaks all the news. Like, jeez, if you see if you see him saying something is happening, it's basically happening. Most of the time, anyway. That's because 60% of the time it's happening all the time. Yeah. <laughs> 100% successful, 90% of the time. He, th- yeah, because every he put it up and everyone lost their shit. And I say, like, sure, who's this bloke? I don't know, some French lad just decided that. Like, and, and <laughs> it's completely lost on me altogether. And now you know who he is. So there we go. Yeah. But apparently, no. it was like, you know, I don't think he just found out there in the pub. I think it was on stage by Alpine because here we are talking about 
Fabrizio Giovanardi or whoever his name is. No, he was a touring car driver now. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Fabrizio Romano. Romano, yeah. No, yeah. Fabrizio Giovanardi, he raced British touring cars. Yeah. <laughs> Different guy there altogether. Tony <laughs> Romano, all he knew was the chipper. He was buying the sound in Carlo years ago. Right? <laughs> that's too many more of them. But anyway, um, that's the story there. The, with with the, the Vries, that's, that is very much a, a standout. And he's got a great future ahead. He looks like he is a serious, serious operator. Um, Gazi Dalpin, look, makes makes sense in fairness, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He got a little test of it by racing the Formula Renault, I see, a few weeks ago. A car like my own. It was actually quite interesting. Did you see that, Richie? No? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was very good. Very good. I, what I found interesting was just if, you, if you're... Not, not not up to speed on it, Kevin. Which you, how could you be? Um, I'm definitely it was, not. It was it was on his um, Fabrizio might have told you it was on <laughs> um, it was on it was on his uh, I don't know socials one a Gasly and basically he had, the Formula Renault like I race there's a there's a crowd in 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 France that have about eight or ten of them and they do like experience days where you can drive them so anyways um, Gasly brought his brothers. And some family members and some mates, six or eight of them, to this place, and they did a day driving Formula Renaults. Um, they shot Gasly getting out of the car. He obviously did a few laps himself in the Alpha Tauri suit, the whole lot. Got out of the car, and he was absolutely buzzing. That's the only way you could describe it. He was, you know, really excited, really like that. I was just going, oh, that was incredible, that was amazing. I'm like, he's driving a Formula Renault, like that's the same as I have out in my shed. Like he's an F1 driver. What's going on here? And it was really interesting. It, it definitely was genuine. Mm. And his comment coming out of it was, that's, that's pure driving and you're on the edge everywhere and it's amazing and I loved it and it's the sort of car I raced eight years ago or whatever when he, it was one of his first junior championships. And it just got me thinking, that shouldn't happen. An F1 driver shouldn't get into a Formula Renault and have that sort of reaction because it's so far down the the, the the, the, the ladder of performance compared to an F1 car and it just got me thinking like are these cars just we're on for a real tangent now are they just getting too heavy too cumbersome too electronic too removed because he really shouldn't be that excited about driving a car like that compared to uh, compared to a Formula 1 car and I just found it really interesting I don't know if you've seen it Richie but it, it, it yeah, kind of it was I odd wasn't I, it? I was like you I was like Jesus Bit excited about driving a Renault considering he's yeah. an F1 good driver, like, but um, I suppose he jumped into the Renault, he's, he's back in a, a much simpler, probably much easier, and to carry to drive on the edge a lot simpler than an F1 car. So, and like, he hasn't 50 million buttons on his steering wheel, or you know, he interesting he, though, could just sit into that and like wring its neck. And, and, and was you know, you can understand how he'd really enjoy it, but you know, I, I think you might be onto something there. Like five meters long, two meters wide, or nearly what are a ton weight now? You know, yeah, to heading on it, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the, the former Ford I drove a little while ago, um, a couple of weeks back, and I, I think I said it to one of the lads. He asked how we got on. And I says, well, it, compared to the Renault, I says to him, I says, well, it doesn't. It, it it doesn't accelerate that fast. It hasn't got a lot of grip, and the brakes are only okay. But it's great crack to drive. Yeah. You know? So like a lot on every given metric, it was slower than what I normally drive, but was more fun at the same time. So maybe it's something similar to that, you know. Just just I found it very it, interesting. Yeah. Just found it very interesting that an F one driver could be that genuinely hyped about driving a junior car 
which obviously has good things to say about the junior car, but would more to the point would bring you to go, maybe these these F1 yokes aren't as fun to drive as as they could be. Um, Text in. We'll have to get him on and ask him. He didn't have to charge a battery, Barry. He could stay off the brakes and give it socks. Yeah, well, (laughs) someone said that to us. Is that yourself? No, comment then. Comment then. No, he's right. Scurrilous accusation. I'm making up text to send him to myself. (laughs) Jesus Christ. We are the number one podcast in the sports news category. (laughs) This is a scurrilous accusation. No, no, I just no, we should have known Richie because it's pretty much you know it, it's bang on the money, so we should we could have known that it wasn't Kevin that said it to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's so obvious it's not me. <laughs> the rest are a bit obvious, all right. But <laughs> anyway, no, that's sorry, we got completely off topic there. So no, it's actually it's great to listen to it. It's great to listen to it. Um Ricardo obviously is going to be taking some time out, it's going to be a loss in terms of the entertainment value that he brings, things haven't gone his way. And, yeah, I suppose this sort of thing can happen, and then I would expect that we'll probably see him back at some stage. Would you go along with that before I move on? It's hard to know. It's hard to know. He's it's pushing not. on a bit now. Um, I, he'd definitely not be back with a top team. I couldn't see it happening. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it could be very difficult. Very same thing with Mick Schumacher. If he doesn't have a seat next season, it'll be mm. very difficult for these guys to get back in. Richard, we've been on this before, and Barry, you've been here for this particular topic as well. Uh, Ricardo's been the author of his own downfall in F1, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, you know, it's a pity the way things have worked out, but he was in an incredible car, and the dollar dollar, I think, was the you know money talks, and it's never spoken as loudly as it has now. Because the man doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a seat. Like so, anyway, that's the that's the joys of it. We'll, I'll we'll... Tell you, Kevin, just just on that point, I don't even think it was money. He was afraid. He was afraid of Max, as far as I'm concerned. He just didn't want to be Max's teammate, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, that's why he left Red Bull. Yeah, well, I think this was, is a lovely segue, well. lad. Sorry, now this is a lovely segue, right? Because I had a tweet up there yesterday about Checo Perez and just thinking back over the last couple of years and what he's done, right? So he's had to step aside. Um, you know, and we were giving out stink with that at the time because things were, were quite close. But the work he's actually done in assisting Max to become world champion two years in a row, you go back to Abu Dhabi and look at what he did in terms of holding up Hamilton. And then tussling the other day with, with Leclerc and stuff, forcing him into the air because he did force him into the air. He was up his hole for I don't know how many laps it was consecutively, and it was great to look at. And, um, you know, I suppose in a way he, he's played a massive part. And he's been a great teammate. But the question I have, is he the best teammate ever? Supporting driver, we'll say. And I don't think he would like us saying that about him. But that is ultimately how his role has kind of played out within the team. Eddie Irvine's been mentioned. Have we got many others in the mix here? you toss up between him and Valtteri Bottas, wouldn't it? Do you reckon? Sure Bottas anyway. was the ultimate teammate for Hamilton. Like he, he, he stepped aside more times. Hmm. He, you know, he, 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 he fucked up his own rest plenty of time for 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 Hamilton. And I think like that, Bottas wouldn't like you saying it about nothing, no driver like you said about. But it started the truth. Like, and we spoke about this last week as well, Kevin. Unless Checo is happy enough to play second fiddle there, um. 
you know, I would have I would have always said Perez would love to go and fight and get into battle and try and win a world title, but I don't know. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Barry Kettle has been mentioned here as well. Who, sorry? Rubens Barry Kettle. Barry Kettle, yeah, definitely. Um Barry Kello, Irvine, those sort of guys. I think I can't think it there's there's names and they're escaping me now, but I think if you want to find the most generous teammate, if that's the way you want to frame it, I think you'd probably be going back to the fifties and sixties, really. Um because in them days, if you so let's say using current drivers, Verstappen is out in a race and his car develops a misfire or something like that and they have to retire it. In those days, back in the 50s, the teammate, i.e. Checo, they'd go, Oi, Sergio, pull in here. Right, you're out, get out. And Max gets into his car and finishes the race. That's the way was it used it, to happen. Was, it, was a Sterling Moss give up his car for Fangio? That's who I was thinking, Richie, but I didn't have the... I, I, I wasn't it's confident to race, say it. Lads. <laughs> Yeah, but they were the same. They used to swap yeah. cars, Kev. So what happened is that he, you'd be leading the race or second and the, the number one driver, Fangio, for example, would have a problem. Fangio would come into the pits. The next time by his teammate, which c- could have been um, Moss, as Richie says, would be brought in, told... Sorry there, boss. You're you're out. You're boss, not boss. You're out. You're <laughs> done. Um, early shower, and and uh, Fangio's getting in, and he's finishing the race in your car. It definitely happened. It happened with Hawthorne. Yeah, if you happened, like I mean, it happened. It, it wasn't that once or twice. It, it happened in every race, probably happened with some team. So, so I think if you go, yeah, I, I think I think probably, it was an interview with Sterling Moss. I seen and Fangio was pretty much you know he he needed. He needed to win this race to near enough secure the championship. And Moss mm-hmm. gave up his car for him. I'm nearly sure those, those are the two I'm drivers. Sure. Because in the interview, Moss went on to say, to be fair, Fangio let me win the next one. Yeah, I think I think you are right, Richie, to be fair. I think you're right. It's I think it might have been those two. That, that, I mean, but I mean, that wasn't that was probably one of the more famous occurrences. But it, it was happening up and down the grid every other race. like So... Yeah, to to go back, but at more modern times, which is probably the bones of your question, Kev, it was, yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, Sergio has done a couple of spotlight-type things like that, you know, for for, for Stappen, as you mentioned, Abu Dhabi last year, when it was a Sergio's a legend or whatever, by holding up thing and uh, Hamilton, and then this year by, you know, putting Leclerc under pressure. But, But a better teammate not have been ahead of the other two guys in the first place. Or taking points yeah. off them on other days would that be about which which would you rather a teammate that was always between you and your competition always robbing points at them but maybe doing it in a more quiet fashion than someone who was blowing hot and cold like 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 Perez and getting two big spotlight moments that we're talking about I think I'd rather the guy that was always sitting second ahead of ahead of the competition I think he's probably a better teammate um who that is hard to know I don't think it's Bottas because on the years Schumacher or in the years um, Hamilton won the championship a lot of the time Bottas didn't finish second. Um, it probably would be your Irvines, your Barrichellos uh, in the in the in the Schumacher era. Most mm. recently would be and the, then be talk the best. About, I suppose it's nice to just segue into this briefly. Maybe it's a podcast in itself, but who is the strongest pairing ever at a team at the same time? Because obviously we had. Prost and Senate, the one team. Well, that's your, that's it'll be a pretty short podcast. I think that'll be it right there at the start. Plain and simple. Prost and Senate. Yeah, I think so. 
I think in 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 any era that I could have any real knowledge of again, but I'm always conscious of going back into the you know yeah I know yeah the F1 didn't start in 1988 or whatever like it's you know if you're you can go back to your Jim Clarks and um yeah. lads like that within, within but, your knowledge base or your yeah era yeah that's probably the best way of putting I, it like I think it's Santa Cross for me yeah Richie I don't know um, the fact that they hated each other so much like uh I don't know. Maybe they were. I, I won't say they weren't. I won't say they weren't. They weren't. I just there was so much hatred there between them and the way things ended and stuff like that would put just a slight tarnish on it for me. But I'm trying to rack my brains here and like. As but regards, even though Richie, like I suppose I, I accept that and all that, right? But it, it's the two lads that were almost well, we won't say equal equal talent, but both capable of winning races on any given day, kind of on an even keel because. Checo is not as talented as Max, plain and simple. Bottas was nowhere near as talented as Hamilton. Rosberg and Hamilton, Rosberg had fucking loads of talent. You're not world champion for nothing. Like, and we've mm-hmm. seen it when they went toe to toe and collided so many times, right? Um, obviously, Prost and, and Senna were, were like serious, serious. But another one, Mansell and Pique, Mike has sent in there, were strong. Yeah, that's good. Prost and Senna. So let's, let's just take, I suppose, the, the quibs and qualms over it. The, the actual strongest two drivers to ever be at a team. At the one time, oh, I see what you mean. So, in other words, the strongest two individuals that just happen to wear the same overalls, or the strongest probably yeah. team, the strongest team of which is more than the sum of its parts, kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I would. Well, it's, my answer's the same. It's Senna. Cross Senna, Senna. Cross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> to be honest, yeah. Well, Richie, I, I'm sorry. I probably should have actually phrased it that way in the first place. But now you get the, the gist. Yeah, when you put when you put it that way, like as Barry said, two drivers that would you expect to win. Races in the same wearing the same overalls, yeah, you'd probably go across Senate. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Done. They wouldn't. Dusted. They wouldn't. They, they, as you, and as you said, Kev, they wouldn't be necessarily the best for the team, mm. which oh, is a, probably a slightly different thing too. You know, that it wouldn't be the most harmo- harmonious teammates. That, that's for sure. That's what I meant. That that's <laughs> the point I made. That's what yeah. I started thinking. Hold on, now. like as regard teammates, they probably started this cycle of here. We'll have one. World beater, and then we just need someone slightly less all, shit than him. That's only one ball. Only one ball in the field. Is that what they say? Yeah, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> I say they started that off now. Who hate each other more? Do you think those two are Hamilton and Rosberg? I think oh. Hamilton and Alonso. Alonso oh. hates his fucking. Sorry, sorry, I should have, I should have thrown that into the mix there. Is that like <laughs> that'd be a pretty, actually, that'd be like. pretty strong team? Actually, that's one that might have skipped by us because only for a year. Yeah. Alonso and. Hamilton as a as a parent would be yeah, actually yeah exactly there. yeah it would be up there um no I think That's the Senate a serious I, I, shout, like you think about it and the timing in which they were there together as well like yeah that that, that, that yeah, that'd that be a that's good one. right up there as well yeah mm. cross Senate so should have just fucking kept this content I might split it afterwards and put it out because it's definitely um useful content you do a top ten yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah hundred percent we can do a rankings thing and put it out there man. Uh, okay, right. So we we've kind of touched on the racing a little bit with regards to maybe Leclerc and Perez and the pressure that was applied. But we saw many great jewels throughout this race. Um, I particularly enjoyed Ocon and Hamilton. I thought Ocon defended so well for so long in shitty conditions. And Richie, it was it was very good to watch. Whenever whenever you did go to bed to watch it, <laughs> I seen the rerun. I seen the rerun. No, it's great yeah. dice between them. Like like I know you're going to touch on more. There was savage couple of savage dice throughout the field. But mm-hmm. yeah, great battle. In fairness, talk on. He didn't, you know, he didn't fall asunder. He didn't held his nerve and 
great bit of great bit of racing under the conditions and and no great no contact or no you know no one pushing anyone off or it's good yeah very good battle uh, Baz, uh, I think yeah. Alonso and Vettel coming over the line. You know, that's that's like, I should have actually got that clip and, and shared it here. Uh, although I'll probably get done for copyright, even if I credited my sources, because it can be finicky at times with those sort of things. Um, but yeah, that was that was nice. Two greats crossing. Obviously, probably the last time we'll see Vettel doing so at Suzuka. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He he was um, his the, the camera looking. Not the same as it is looking back into into his face was very interesting because he didn't see Alonso coming up the inside till the last minute. If you watch it back, he turns oh, in Vettel's, where it looks into Vettel's visor. Yeah, he yeah, tur- you see cool, him turn in yeah. and then he oh, and yeah. and he just I could I could picture exactly that myself in my mind's eye. Just going, it, you know, he probably heard him or something, and does a, a, a little glimpse of a wing or something, and then have the back over and. What I thought was it was very interesting was if you watch it again, watch how much Vettel is doing besides driving the car, if you're with me. Right? So obviously at that moment he's got the car is right on its limit of its grip, but with the front axle, the rear axle, he's got a change gear at exactly the right time. Oversteer, understeer, power delivery, you know, blah, 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 wet country, get around the lap. He's doing all of that. And he's also literally going, where is he? Looking around him, look, looking over his shoulder, looking at, you know, uh, it's, it, I just thought it was a really graphic illustration of how much, how, how much you have to be able to just drive the car subconsciously mm. and then leave the rest of your capacity and the more capacity you have, the better racer you'll be. And you could just see that really well because you're looking right into his eyes and what he was looking yeah. at. And when you watch it back, you go, yeah, the, the driving of a car, which is immensely difficult in those conditions, was way down his list of conscious thought. Everything else was about, everything you could see was him trying to place his car. Where is Alonso now? Where is he going? What will I do? What's the next move? Um, and then the car was, he was just driving the car to its limit. As an as a, see, a background thing, did you see Alonso's onboard in contrast to that? Where I and I, I don't blame him because like, he's after catching Vettel so quick and on his onboard looking out, not not the Vettel's view, it's Alonso. Yeah, the visor cam, and you can see him just on exit of the corner, and you can see his hand is just getting ready to shift the gear, and he just clicks just a, a shake of wheel spin, and he's. Doo, 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 and that little shake of wheel spin was enough for Vettel just to, to get the, the just to get on. him on the line. Like, I was super, like, mega. Eleven thousand, I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. was the yeah. the line. Deadly, deadly. Yeah, it was a great, great bit of footage having the two, the two onboards. You know, as Richie yeah. says, looking forward and looking back, especially when you're complete nerds like like we are, and you're looking at all these silly, silly little things like, you know, like Richie you says, that little playing, shake. Like you, see, you can actually see Vettel's eyes and you can see him and, he, and you know, yeah. if he had a wing mirror, he would have, you know, if he had a, a rear view mirror, he would have been looking at that, that too. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, everything else happening in the meantime. Like, you know, Jesus, did, it take all your, did it take all of your skill just to, to get the cars to go around that corner at 30 mile an hour in them conditions? <laughs> Never mind the speed they are doing and, and everything else that was going on, so... Yeah, I enjoyed Absolutely, it, I have yeah. to say. I enjoyed looking at that bit of footage. Mark Summers has been in touch. He said, Massa, Alonso was a pretty good parent too. 
probably in terms yeah. of the camaraderie and, and obviously the talent as well are both very good drivers. Uh, I want to move on to something that not many people That's are actually show, talking actually. about, um, which is how impressive Max was yesterday. Because everyone's talking about how he won it, everyone's talking about the tractor, everyone's talking about fucking Gasly, the budget caps and the whole lot, and obviously the fact that Max is world champion. But how stellar a drive was that once it resumed? The marginally pulled out in the end. I, I'm going to have to go check it up. Was it 20? Am I right in saying 20 seconds? 20, 20, yeah, was it Barry? 28, was it? I think it was 28, yeah. To pull out he, did, he, wanted to come in. he wanted to come in and put on a new set of tyres at the end. He wanted to get faster, you know. So I think he was 28 seconds and 27 laps, I think. I don't know how many laps we had when uh, he pitted. It wasn't long after the resumption. And he was obviously leaning, whatever, and comes back out. What was it fourth or fifth? Maybe he came back out. He's back up to first in a couple of laps. In those conditions, I don't care what car you're in. That's incredible stuff. And you're looking at someone, for me, who... It's just such a worthy champion this year. And that's kind of, I'm not going to say it's forgotten, right? It's probably overshadowed with everything that's been going on over the course of the weekend. But he's been incredible, Barry, hasn't he, in fairness? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's it goes without saying almost, but then it it, it should be said. um, Because, yeah, like, he, now, he, he had the best conditions to race in yesterday. If you're leading the pack, um, he, you know, you don't have the visibility issues anyone else yeah. does, and that's a big advantage. Don't get, you know, but, but yeah, over the course of the season, he's just been phenomenal. To be perfectly honest with you, you know, um, he so rarely puts a foot wrong. Uh, doesn't doesn't get doesn't get, you know, no pressure really. I know he shouts and roars down the radio, but as I said before, you need to discount all of that because that's just, you know, heat of the moment stuff and. You know, you're doing 200 mile an hour and something goes wrong, you're going to shout down the radio, guarantee you, no matter who you are. And if you're not going to shout down the radio, you're probably also not equipped with the necessities to be doing 200 mile an hour going down the street. You know, it's it's not a buffet menu, like you, you're getting what you're getting and that's it. You have to take the good with the bad. But yeah, he's he, he's just really, really, really this year... Um, well, I was going to say he's come on, but has he? I don't know, it's different. He's, you know, people are saying he's more... He's more relaxed and he's more kind of computing and stuff. But when you have a car advantage like that, you can afford to do to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are always going back to well, last year he was desperate and well, yeah. If you if if you're coming at it from a position of weakness, you have to bring something else to the party. And last year that was his kind of just. I don't. I know everyone else was saying desperation. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily use that phrase, but that's the one that was being thrown around. Um, and this year. You know, it's been more Hamilton like when he's had that car. Hamilton had that car advantage, and he, you know he could sit back, wait, perform the move, the maneuver, get to the front. You know, if he didn't have a good qualifying, he could just wait, let the natural pace bring him forward. So I think that's a byproduct of the car advantage he has this year, more so than some sort of shift in his, you know, inner being or whatever you want to call it. But mm. the interesting thing is not that he's done one or become the other it's that he can be both when when is needed he has that just raw aggression and that just absolute fight that we seen last year coupled with the no today i need to just sit back and let the car do the work and that's a pretty potent combination that not a lot of people have they've one or the other he's got both and i think that was going to stand him very well in the in, in his career in general because he'll need it he'll need to pull one personality out from the other 
different times over the course of his career. Um, and the fact he has both of them there is, is I think, is his real, is, is real trump card. Richard, he does that a lot, Barry, does he? You, did, you know, like, I know he has, he has the best car by a mile, but he's the best driver by a mile at, at this present moment in time. Oh, yes. Yeah. He is the best driver on that grid by a country mile. I, and what you were saying there, Barry, you're 100% correct and right. Sometimes when you have a car advantage like him, he can start to say, listen, and with such a championship lead in Suzuka, like, he didn't give a shit. He went around the outside of Leclerc into turn one to take the lead of the race off the line. That's a ballsy move. I don't care who you are or what yeah. position in a championship you're in. Just that raw aggression. He, it, he just seems to have that in abundance. Like, I mean, people that say, like Barry was saying, they're saying, ah, oh, he was desperate. He was, he's just massively aggressive driver. He's not like, and that that's the difference between him and Hamilton as well. Like, I couldn't, if, if Hamilton was in Alonso or Vettel or Jesus, for Staffan's position, I couldn't see Hamilton make that move around the outside of Leclerc in the West in Suzuka. I, I, I honestly think he would have sat back and used his car advantage throughout the race. But Max just don't do that, man. He's boom. Mm. You know? We'd be calling him a gobshade, though, if that didn't work out and he made contact, though, would we? No? Maybe not make contact, but if he spins well, or something. Well, maybe, but you see, this is the p- thing that keeps coming. You know, people keep coming up and they're saying, and I go back to the best example of that was what was the track at the end of last year where Max had done a stunning lap? Bahrain, wasn't just, it? No. Was, was Bahrain, Bahrain done twice in quick succession? Was that the tail end of last year and early this year? I think it might I have think. been. I can't remember exactly, but go on anyway. I'll do he, some he, homework he here. Pu- he put it in the wall coming out of the last or the second last corner. And up until that, the lap was just incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I remember was a street circuit, Barry. Was it? it was a street circuit. Was it Jeddah? Was it Jeddah? Was it Jeddah? Oh, it was actually the Saudi, 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 Saudi. Yeah. So the, the lap that was early this year, wasn't point, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they've been there already. The, the, the lap that he'd done up to that point, up until the last corner, was just stunning. That's the only word for it, really, to watch. And it was just so ragged and so on the edge. And then he got it wrong the last corner. And everybody was like, oh, well, you know, he didn't need to do that. And if he had to sat back a little bit you know, for the last corner. But what you fail to realize is, like I said earlier, you can't pick and choose. the bit. You can't be, you know, just absolutely dogged, determined person. And then Perhaps. turn it off for the you last can't. corner. No, you, you can't, you know, you can't, you, 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 that's what you're getting. If you, you know, so he, they're going, oh, well, if he had to lift it off for that last corner, but if he had to lift it off, he wouldn't have been the same person that gave himself four tenths of an advantage over the rest yeah. of the lap to have the facility. You can't pick and choose over a lap. You can't, but what he can do is he knows at the same time, I need, I need aggressive for stopping now because I don't have the car and I need maybe, thinking about Verstappen because I do have the car this weekend and he does seem to be able to pick and choose which one comes out to play on a given day um, which I, as I said I think is a, is, is a big advantage to him um, because yeah like at the weekend he was behind Leclerc and he probably just went you know what screw this I don't want to be behind a car in these wet conditions I'll go for it around the outside like, like, like Richie said you know and then he was able to put the laps in protect the tyres do the whole lot um, 
and get and then on other days he just was able to just let the car do the work. That that's really strong in my opinion. I think that's why he's going to be very very hard to beat um, going forward. If he has not not only because he doesn't need to have the best car, he just needs to have a car that's close Fair enough, enough that aggressive Verstappen will do the rest. And when he has got the best car, the other Verstappen will show up and 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 do the right thing by by it and, and make sure it's there at the end of the race. So I think that's going to be his ultimate strength over his career, in my opinion. Will he get yeah, to seven, so. Richard? Will he get to seven? Will he get to eight? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, not because of anything got to do with his driver skill or anything like that. He was actually asked that in an interview after the race. Um, how, how do you fancy yourself to equal Lewis and Michael? And he, nah, he says, uh, not going to be here that long, lads. He, he, he openly said, I have other stuff I want to do. I have other racing I want to try. And I don't want to be trying it when I'm too old for it. So I'd say if we see, unfortunately, I'd say we might get another four years of them and that'll be it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Two-time world champion. Jeannie back like it. I think back now. Unless unless he wins it in the next four years in a row, he might go to eight to fifth to equal the two boys. But I don't know. I don't know. Like, I can't see. I think it's going to get very interesting now as the seasons go on because... Ferrari are going to stay coming and Mercedes will definitely be back. So mm. Yeah. Barry, what do you think? What was it? Did you maybe you commented there already? I was actually just double checking his age because I knew it was twenty four or five, but twenty five, yeah. Um can he can he go and do seven or eight, do you think? Well, look, he's got the time to do it. Um I didn't I, I hadn't seen or heard that thing Richie's referring to, so I find that very interesting, but um I'm very understandable too, because Verstappen is a big He's he's he loves racing cars. Don't presume that all the other F one drivers have that same love of it. Um, I know I remember watching a, a thing with Sonoda, and it was pretty much like, "Oh, this is my job, and I, I drive cars." But you know, he, he I don't think he even knew who won the championship three years ago or something. Like he's, you know, he's not a fan that's now a driver, and a lot of these newer guys aren't. You know, they, they do take it as a bit of a job. They'd be, you know, they they obviously had some love for it somewhere along the line, but they're not as passionate. They're not Sebastian Vettel who can go back and name every F one champion from nineteen whatever it was, fifty oh god, eight or something, but the first championship was. You know what I mean? They're not they they're they're not all like that. Um I'm not and sh- but Verstappen loves driving race cars. You know, he, he gets out of his F one car. He gets either into a simulator or he has a Porsche Cup car that he just goes and does track days in, you know. Um, he, he's a, so it. While I find it interesting what Richie said, it, at the same time it doesn't doesn't surprise me because he's probably looking at it from a point of view that, you know, I just stay here, keep doing the same thing and winning championships, or would it be better to do a few Le Mans, do a bit of IndyCar, you know, do a bit of. Um, I'd say, I'd say Barry has an eye on the Triple Crown. No, I'd say, yeah, that, I'd say he's a big eye on the Triple Crown, I'd say. And he's, yeah. really, he's plenty good enough to do it. Like. Yeah, I'm sure if he, he, he got, you know, he, he does seem the sort that'd go, Jesus, that Bathurst and Thousand that was on at the weekend, that looks like a yeah. great crack. I'll do that. You know, oh, I'm going to go and do uh, Le Mans. Oh, I'm going to go and do the Nürburgring 24 hour. I'm going to, you know, pick these kind of cherry pick these things. And it's it's hard to imagine as, you know, club racing drivers looking in on the outside but i'd imagine like a lot of things when you get to f1 
and it it's the norm as as silly a statement as that is for these guys it is the norm um and he he might be like yeah I, he might just get bored of it that's you know it just sounds ridiculous when you think about it get bored of driving formula one cars going around the world and you know earning whatever 25 million a year or something but it, it probably will happen and i just think it'll happen to him because he has that love of other stuff i can't see hamilton deciding he's going to go and do all these random things and that's not a slur or a knock on any of them i think just some of them are wired one way and the other and it, it wouldn't surprise me to see verstappen going right job done i four in the bank that'll do me you know what else is out there i want to i want to enjoy driving stuff you know because as i said he, he gets out of an f1 car has his own privately owned porsche and goes and does track days at the local circuit like that's just a guy who just loves driving you know and he's yeah, got he, in the six hour endurance race in mandela bar is he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard about an entry in there. Well, yeah. Mike's back in touch. He said he wants to win the Leinster Trophy. So, yeah. yeah. Well, he has to have some level of expectation. I mean, you know, he can't just do everything. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron McCoy was in touch on YouTube and he says, I think he said he wouldn't do it in the 500. So, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, maybe not. Watch. Maybe not the 500. He might, he might be more. I don't know. I just get the feeling that. From what Richie said there, a couple of days, he just wants to to tick a lot of boxes, maybe. Yeah. So, go go do shit. You know. Um, yeah. Plus the um, other side of it, the other side of it too is your interview with Lee McKenzie, like where she 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 says like he's like a hot house flower. He's been groomed for this from the age of seven, like. And as mm-hmm. she said, at seven years of age, I didn't know what a life goal was. Really yeah, yeah. Never mind, have mind. one. Like so, he he's he's reached his peak once, and now he's reached it again. And maybe once more. And then, as Barry said, you're sort of like looking around, you're thinking, here, I've nothing left to prove here. I'm sick of it. I'm out here. It is. It's hard to, it is. I know it sounds silly to think of that in F1 in that terms, but if that's your normal. Yeah, it's your you normal. Know, that's, as no, that's as normal to him as, you know, us living in our house, going about our lives. That's his normal. Mm. It's, it's absolutely extraordinary to us looking in from the outside. Mm. But to him, that's just... That's it. That's normal. I'm sure he appreciates it. That's where it's all like you, you can't go and just go wanting to win seven just because someone else wants him to win seven. He has to do what he has to That's the worst reason to ever try and do it. Yeah. To be yeah, perfectly yeah, honest with you, that's it. the worst reason you could ever have to try and to, to go, well, why do you want to win seven? Well, because he over there won it. Like, Jesus, mm-hmm. if we all played that game in, in life, it'd be, you know, we'd get nowhere. Like, you know, but yeah. you have to do it for the right reasons. And Rosberg was the perfect example of that. You know, Rosberg says, I know what it took to do one. I'm happy. I've done it. Box ticked. I'm out of here. Out the gap. You know, and and again, no, somewhere right, somewhere right. It's, it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's just everybody is wired different and they'll have different reasons for doing everything. And we can't impose upon them our way of thinking because, you know, it's completely it's pointless. It's we're we're not the ones that have to that have to do it. That's it's them boys and. And from a, to be honest, from a from a motorsport fan as opposed to an F one fan, and there seems to be an an increasing difference between those two things. Where it used to be one and the same. From a, as as a motor racing fan, I'd love to see him go do other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I sooner he knocked F one on the head early. I went and did five years of other stuff because I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. I find that more interesting than I'm just hanging around F one for another five years and picking up two or three more titles. You know, I'd love like when Alonso did Indy 500 or Le Mans or, you know, the, the some of the rallying stuff or whatever. I, I find that really interesting. And 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 it, 
and I'd have more. I suppose I'd I'd rate lads that do other stuff and do it well higher than lads that just stick at Nigel Mansell. Mansell, yeah, went to IndyCar, Mansell, won it yeah. the, the year after. Went to, did a bit of touring cars, you know. Alonso is probably, yeah. probably the the most prolific recently, but you know you go back years ago and. The F1 boys, your Jim Clarks and whatever the world, they were in F1 one weekend, F2 the next weekend, British touring cars the weekend after that, you know, um, because they were getting paid. That's how they made their air, they made their living. Um, so Max Verstappen doing Le Mans or Max Verstappen doing Lancer Trophy <laughs> in the Indy 500 or, or or whatever the case might be, a NASCAR race or something, you know, mm. that's that's really that'll be more interesting to me now than just. You know, well, look, I, lads, Kanner Robin Perra has already been in Mondello this year. Uh, Robin Perra versus Verstappen, Battle of the Champions, Mondello Park. Get it sorted, Leo. It Get it sorted. <laughs> um, make it sound so easy as well. Uh, look, lads, that. we'll we'll finish up because uh, it's actually nearly three times the length of an hour podcast, which is mad. Of the shortest um, race of the year. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. The irony, <laughs> yeah. absolute <laughs> irony. Guan Guan Yu Joe as well. In fairness to him, we're Joe Guan Yu. Uh, fastest lap. It's a shame that you don't get a point unless you're in the top 10, in my opinion. I, I understand why it's done, but man, like, Jesus, in those conditions, you know, getting forward, like, honey, well done, lad. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> they did that, though? To be fair, if they had got points for fastest lap for anyone outside the top 10, your pit lane would be just You might black, just give like. a blue flag as well. Just, <laughs> just non-stop. They'd be, they wouldn't have enough tyres with them. Break every bit of uh, glass on on them yokes and, and just take all the flags out of Marsh's hands up. Just yeah, put them out yeah, there. Yeah, the whole understood. track is blue. Understood. Lads, anything else to get there just before we finish up? We're happy enough. I'm happy enough anyway. We've hit most for Texas next, isn't it? COTA. Yeah, that's the weekend after next. So um, it's mad. We've world champion crowned. Now, in fairness, it's a week later than what we thought um, because, uh, you know, he could have wrapped it up really in, in Singapore as well, mathematically, going back on it, I think. So mm-hmm, could have, yeah. Fair play, Tom. Well done, Max. We never got to the to to my favorite stat of the week, Kev. But the Perez's elevens. Do it, Jesus! We can't fucking do we, the podcast. I heard this. Second. I don't know where I heard this, but this uh, this blew my mind altogether. Now let's see if I can remember it. So hold on now, because I think you typed it into our WhatsApp group. So I know you are I? on the same device, and I will go and I try look it and up. Check this one. Let's so. see if I can remember it. When. Okay, right. Well, hold on for a second. Before you start reciting it, I just want to get it here in front of me. Okay, yeah, right. you can. Let's, you can. You, you can. Okay, Sergio Perez. This was after. This was before Japan, I believe, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so it was after Singapore. Singapore. Yeah, Sergio yeah. Perez. Eleven letters in the yeah. name. Yeah. He has been in F one for eleven years. Yeah, two over His two. His car left. is number eleven. Three. He was in garage number eleven at Singapore. Yep, four out of four. He, it is eleven years since someone has won. The same person has won Monaco and Singapore in the same season. You're fucking on WhatsApp, I know. Well, you're. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just weird for numbers. And Five, yeah. the last one was, if I'm not missing one, that when he took the checkered flag in Singapore to win the race, the local time was eleven seconds past the eleventh minute of the eleventh hour. By Rabbit, you are a winner. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best stat ever. 11, 11, 11, 11. I couldn't believe when I heard it. We need to and get, need to get says, Yeah, I wish I figured it out myself, but I just recited what someone else figured out. But 
What was yeah. my response to that, by the way, Kevin? Someone has too much time on their hands, which probably wasn't the most <laughs> inaccurate thing anyone had ever said. But anyways. <laughs> it is a serious statistic, though. And so next thing we'll have the... Remember years ago, there was talk about the Illuminati. Do you remember that shite that was going on? Um, oh, yeah. On YouTube. But all, if a YouTube video from any big artist, musician, whatever, had triangles and these weird shaped things ordering the Illuminati to worship the devil and all this shit. Anyway, look, lads, we do get occasional spam links on these uh, type of broadcasts, so I'm not going to encourage any more of that shit, because generally, <laughs> that's what ends up coming in underneath it. Oh, man, it's unbelievable. Um, I don't know if the boys go by hero racing or hero racing, but I know Stevie racing involved. He says, you up the boys. Good man, Stevie. Thank you Come on, Stevie. very much. Hey. Uh, Mike Dermott, hero, I think it is, Thanks a lot. Hero, that's, is it? That's the yeah, Hondas, is it? Is that the yeah. message in the Hondas? Yeah, okay. I, yeah. Thought, I thought Hero was spelled with an E, but like, I was in school with Stevie, so that probably explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did two leaving certs as well, so <laughs> <laughs> we're getting on already, Stevie. We're not going too bad, in fairness. Lads. We'll but you did yours and you did Richie's for them, was that it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just didn't do mine, period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. we're getting giddy now. This is it. Uh, we're done. Yeah. I think it's delirious I because uh, we were we were supposedly tired after you know, for, for varying reasons, and here we are. Fucking jeez, lads, you're going for another hour there if you want today. But anyway, <laughs> I suppose we'll call it quits at that. Um, we will be back probably in a, a couple of weeks. Anyway, I'd say after Texas, uh, we'll discuss when that's going to be. We did hold off deliberately. There was a thought crossed my mind to do this yesterday morning after the rest, but I don't think that would have been a good idea now in hindsight. Uh, just head the budgeting over, but just things were here. But uh, anyway, look, lads, thanks a million. Really enjoyed this evening. Good stuff. All right, easy, boys. Very Take care, indeed. There we go. Shout out to PFT Travel. Uh, PFT Travel on Facebook now as well. It's not PFR Transport anymore. MJ got it sorted out. Rapco as well. Check them out. Our thanks to them for being with us throughout the duration. And I'm led to believe they're with us until the end of the season as well. Without their support, this shit just does not happen. So many thanks once more. Thanks to Barry. Thanks to Richie. Uh, Ronan Daugherty's in touch. He says, good pod. Thanks a million to everyone who watched and listened. We're going to get the audio up on Spotify very, very shortly. And we're going to leave you with uh, our new video. It's only 18 seconds long. But very much Irish team.